brother. Oh, What's up? This is a hey, big party, it, man. Yeah, I brother, dig like, it. Stop right on. <laughs> Brother, brother, there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Father, father, we don't need to escalate. You see, war is not the end. For only love can comprehend. You know we've got to find a way to bring some love and get here today. Pick it and pick it Don't punish me with brutality. Talk to me so you can see. What's going on, people? Welcome to All Steak, No Sizzle, an honest, no BS look at life, sports, and entertainment. I am your host, Devin McKenzie, here once again with a brand new episode. This week, um, let's have a little discussion, people. Let's, let's talk for a second. Sit, have a have a little seat, step into my office. Let's 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 talk for a little bit. Um, as you can tell, this episode is a few days late. Let's just say this has been a very, very hectic week in my life. Um, yeah, things at my job have changed. I'm on a brand new shift right now, so I'm adjusting to that. And um, the episode that I was planning on putting out this week with. Uh, Miss Tony Robinson. That episode will be coming out next week. This week, you know, with you know my shift change and you know adjusting to that and some technical difficulties that came up. Um, I, I talked with Miss Tony and we came to the decision that I would put that episode out next week. So um, I'm coming to you a few days late. Got the technical issues taken care of. I've kind of gotten some sleep <laughs> um like, like i said it's, it's it's been a very very hectic week in my life so um kind of gotten things a little bit straightened out but here we are finally this week with the new episode this week's episode um seeing as how this is you know women's month i decided to stick with that theme and bring another young lady onto the show and this young lady just happens to be my aunt. Um, if you listen to episode 25, you heard me sit down and have a conversation with my mother about the integration of schools in her hometown of Quitman, Mississippi. On this episode, I have my aunt, who is my father's sister. Um, she gives her story, hers experience was a a lot different from my father's and my mother's and I felt like she she was a great person to talk to to give her side of the story and well you know well I'll let you listen and and find out what that story is but if you listen to like I said that last episode with my mother this is a continuation of that story another point of view and like I said with this being women's month this would be a good time to put her story out there. And next week, I will have Tony Robinson's episode out. And for those of you that, that listened to last week's episode with Angie, thank, once again, thank you, Angie, for being on the show. I really appreciate you. Uh, I ran into Angie the other day. Um, <laughs> just uh, just randomly, I ran into her. And, you know, she said you know, she really enjoyed getting some feedback about the episode. And she's excited about doing it again. But um, 
if you listen to the episode with Angie, you heard me, you know, kind of teasing the episode with a good friend of mine named Tony Robinson. She just started a YouTube channel, so make sure you check out her page. It is Beautiful Vibes 555. So make sure you go check her out and hit her up on Instagram at the Lady Essence. I'm sorry, the underscore Lady Essence on Instagram. Make sure you check her out. You know, let her know that you're looking forward to the, the episode coming out next week. It is coming out next week, people. I know I said that before, but like I said, you know, with my hectic schedule and, you know, some technical issues, uh, I decided to hold off on that episode. It's going to come out next week. So let's cut this intro short. Let's go ahead and jump into this conversation with my Aunt Joanne Price. And let me apologize to my aunt and my uncle William um, ahead of time. I found myself slipping and calling her Joanne McKenzie, but uh, my Uncle William put a ring on it, so, <laughs> you know, no disrespect intended, you know, it was just a slip of the tongue, but my Aunt Joanne Price joins me on this episode. This was recorded Thanksgiving weekend. I was down there in Mississippi during that time, you know, talking to people down there in the community, so check out this conversation but before we do that make sure you go to itunes stitcher google play and soundcloud make sure you like follow subscribe comment rate thumbs up thumb no don't don't do the thumbs down like the page share all all these episodes that we're putting out um make sure you check out my social media you can hit me up on twitter at devin the six three that's d-e-v-i-n-t-h-e six three you can check out my Instagram. It's all steak, no sizzle. All one word. All steak, no sizzle. You can hit me up on Facebook. Just type in all steak, no sizzle podcast in your search bar and it'll pop right up. If you want to shoot me an email, you can do so at asnspodcast at gmail.com. That's asnspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, let me know what you think about these episodes, people. If you have suggestions for future episodes, if you want to be on the show, hit me up. I got a couple people that hit me up saying, hey, what do I got to do to be on the show? So I'm, I'm going to try and line that up um, as soon as possible, people. So enough enough of this uh, jibber-jabber. <laughs> Let's uh, jump into this conversation with my aunt, Miss Joanne Price. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a very special guest on the show today. One of the greatest cooks of all time. <laughs> very special one with me and my family. This is my Aunt Joanne. It's Joanne Price. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Ate good yesterday. Thank you for uh, <laughs> for letting me come down here. You're welcome. For, uh, for the listeners, I'm down here in the mean streets of Quitman, Mississippi. I... Uh, came down for Thanksgiving and well originally I was planning on trying to get this interview done on Thanksgiving Day but uh after eating and visiting it didn't quite work out that way (laughs) but um down here talking to some members of my family about the integration of the schools down here in Quitman Mississippi and I have uh I would like to say a very very integral part of of that Miss Joanne McKenzie she is a citizen here in Quitman, Mississippi, and lived through that. So I have her on the show to, to talk about it. So before we, we jump into the integrations of the schools, I, I talked to uh, Bobby and I talked to my father, and one thing I kind of wanted to get to do is kind of understand how things were growing up here in Quitman. So as a child growing up in the house of Miss Ella Gray McKenzie and Jim McKenzie, what was it, what was your daily like growing up as a kid here in, in the Rocky community? Well, I was number 10 in the family. And my ten out of how many? Ten out of fourteen. That's a lot of kids. Okay, (laughs) and I my role in the family was kind of tough because I grew up between six boys. So right. Anyway, I had to learn how to to survive, and then I had to learn how to to cook and clean because Mm. my sisters were all older than I. So 
by the time they all got grown and, 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 and moved away, then I had to help mom finish with the raising of the children and keeping the house. Mom went to work mm-hmm. uh, after maybe the when the when the fourteenth child was born, she decided to go to work, so I had to keep house. So okay. anyway, mine it was adventurous, some busy fun some because I was a tomboy and I got a chance to do some of the rough tough things that my brothers did so I would imagine so growing up with all those boys in the house <laughs> so well I never I never knew Aunt Gray had a job what, what did she do well she was a, a home health uh, care person she went and visited and tended with the uh, senior citizens and did you know different attacks for them around their house but uh, yeah, she did that. No, I did not help. know. I did yeah. not know that. And uh, of course, Paul Jim was. She, he was a bricklayer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's one good thing about doing these interviews with different people. I get to learn a lot of stuff that I never even knew. Like I said, I didn't know she had a job. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, as far as um, your, you said basically your task here was basically to watch the younger children while yes. she was at work and cooking clean like that. Did you do any? Any field work like the boys did? Oh, yes. I had to do whatever it was to be done. I had to do <laughs> some of it. Yeah, we, we went to the... Well, by the time I was um, old enough to pick cotton, we were basically uh, getting away from planting cotton. Now, but I did get in a little bit on the cotton picking, but we did mostly have uh, fields of, of uh, vegetables that we had to go out and pick and then prepare for our winter we were like the ant. We had to um, get gather stuff for the winter. So okay. that was what we did all summer. Wow. So, well, after talking to my father, he uh, let me know that actually he was supposed to graduate a year ahead of the time that he graduated. But one year he basically wasn't. He was too busy working in the fields right. and pike picking cotton and you know whatever needed to be done. Did you ever have run into that situation, or you were able to make it all the way? No, we. I was able to go to school all the time because um, at the year when when they integrated, well, when we were trying, they were trying to break down the wall barrier um, for everybody to be able to attend whichever school they uh, wanted to, or for integration to take place. So, with I started first grade down at what we call the white school, but it was uh, like Quitman Elementary at, at that time. Mm-hmm. And so we we attended school as small children. We attended school every day. But the uh, my older brothers and sisters, there were times that they weren't able to go to school because mm-hmm. they had to work in the field. But with us being in the schools with the whites, then uh, they made sure that we went to school every day because we were small. Okay. And one more thing before we jump into the schools. Um, One thing that is very prominent in the black community are the churches. Mm -hmm. And right here in in Rocky, there's a, it's what? Two churches. churches, James Mm -hmm. Chapel and Mount Mount Gilead. Gilead. Mm -hmm. And pretty much most of the family attended Mount Gilead, right? Right. What what was was it like growing up in church at Mount Gilead? Well, we didn't have a choice. We had to go to church every Sunday, whether you liked it or not. So you might as well get there and and listen. And you know, we we were you know really really big in church mm-hmm. and everything. And then we were Baptist. James Chapel was the Methodist church, but there was not a difference. We we attended both churches. Oh, okay. And we went to church every Sunday. It doesn't matter which one you went to, but Mount Gilead's. Uh, we used to have what we called a pastoral Sunday. And Mount Gilead's Pastoral Sunday was on third Sunday, and James Chapel was first Sunday. But we had church, um, even we went to James Chapel on first Sunday, and we were there all day with them. And then the rest of the day, Sundays, we had like Sunday school, and then we had other meetings like mission meetings, and we had uh, Red Circle meetings and Sunshine Band meetings and programs and stuff. But our pastoral Sunday, when our preacher came, he only came once per month because mm-hmm. he lived in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and he came on third Sunday. We were there all day on third Sunday. Okay. So would it be fair to say that pretty much the entire community kind of revolved around the church? Yes. For the most part? Yes. Okay. Uh, and the research that I've done, I found out that 
well, the integration of the schools was forced in January of 1970. Is that? Yeah, I think it was 1970. Yeah. Right. But before that, uh, the schools were open for African Americans to attend the, I guess you would call them the white schools before that. Exactly. Were there any church meetings about that? Is that basically where all the information? basically everybody found out all the information about what was available as far as going to the white schools at the church or whatever you ever remember any meetings going on at the church about that yes there were meetings there were people that would come from the from other communities and they would come and they have they came and they met i remember uh, a few times in our home they came out and they met and, and um they discussed that you know there were the opportunity was opened up for the children to you know go to which school they preferred you know I guess the federal government had decided that it couldn't be a black school and a white school so it had right. to be just schools so there were the um, black people to get together and uh, go from different communities and maybe in the, in the churches but they I remember having meetings people came to our home and they had meetings discussing you know the integration and sending our sending the children to the um, the white schools and stuff so anyway so I guess they decided at that time that it would be better for them to start off with the smaller ones with us you know we were we were little and 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 maybe I believe that they didn't send the bigger ones because they were if they were you know treated like we were treated then they would fight Right. And so we were too small to fight, so we just, you know, they sent us as little ones to go there and, you know, kind of get things, get the door opened up. But see, the, the, the larger ones, I think that they wouldn't have taken all of the, you know, little, the treatment that we got and maybe the things that were said to us, they wouldn't have taken that so well. So I think that's why they started off with the little ones. Yeah. So basically, was it like the all the adults or the, the church leaders at Mount Gillian and Mount and James Chapel kind of decided like this is how we should do it or do you remember like who might have like spearheaded that decision to send? Well I, I'm not real sure because I was little I went I started school at first grade so I'm not real sure how they kind of got that you know made that right. decision or whatever but um, I just do remember there were adults from you know, different communities, maybe different churches that came together and they, you know, discussed about the, uh, you know, integration and they called it back then breaking down the wall barriers and mm. stuff. And there was maybe a little bit, maybe a violence that went on at that time. And um, so, you know, there it, it was a struggle. It wasn't like a smooth transition for us to be able to get into the schools like that. It was a struggle. And some people got arrested and all of that, I remember that, but I was really small and I didn't, I don't know the exact whole story about the, you know, the right. the, the, the violent part of it, but I do remember there were some people that got arrested during that time. Wow. Well, a lot of times whenever we have um, movements like that, you have mm -hmm. someone that that's kind of stands up as like the leader, sort of like your Martin Luther Kings, your mega ever type people. Do you remember there ever being anybody down here that was sort of of that that role that martin luther king role type person okay now as far to the best that i remember i i our, our family the mckenzie family mm -hmm. has always been like leaders in the communities and so i remember like my my mom and my dad and and my uncle dick and uh, uncle washington <laughs> and my aunt kate i remember them as kind of being the, you know, the leader in, in this community. And I guess each community or each church, they had some people that were leaders. And But um, as far as our, um, just the ones that spearheaded it up, um, pretty much it was our family, the McKenzie family, okay. was the ones that, 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 you know, kind of headed it up in this community about, you know, getting, breaking down the wall barrier. Okay. Um, did you ever talk to Aunt Gray or Paul Jim about the integration when you got older and ever thought back on it and wanted to ask them questions about why that was important to them and what, what decisions they wanted to make on Well, on no, I don't really just remember us really talking about it because it was the fact that 
I, I kind of understood what was going on. They was just trying to get us from, from just being people that were looked down on to being people that were involved in everything and being with, you know, with the white race um, and everything. So, and it, it after it started off with us as being small children, and then even my some of my older brothers and sisters they got involved because when they got when it school integrated then that included some more of my older brothers and sisters so I guess there was really no conversation that ever happened to just say why we had to you know go through that it was basically so, you're, you're going it, yeah much. it's just well, we're, we're going and 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 we kind of we understand that we're trying to get from you know not being able to have a job over over in town and having to plant the fields and that's how we are surviving make you know just planting fields and stuff and my dad worked out of town a whole lot mm -hmm. and um you know we got money from where he was working but that we wanted to break down the barrier so that some of us as brothers and sisters as we got older we could go over town and get jobs in rear equipment so i guess we understood exactly what was you know what 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 the movement was all about and what they were trying to do so okay. i guess really a conversation wasn't just that important i guess because all of, all of us understood okay um do you remember what year you started first grade i started first grade i think in 1965 1965 okay mm -hmm. so you were what five yeah, six years about, old i was i think i turned six uh right before i went to school okay yes. so tell me about that that first day in in school well <laughs> it's been a long 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 time ago but to the best i remember i was very scared just scared to death because living out in the rural area we didn't go to go to town very much and when we went to town we were you know just little children that were left in the car we didn't get a chance to really go get out and go into the stores and we would just see people you know passing by on the street and we were sitting in the car so when we went there and the bus put us off at school and we had to get out and go in i was you know we were just devastated scared to death wow. and everything and so then when we were you know in school and there were like you see a black here i remember in my first grade class there was just me and my cousin and there, everybody else there and maybe a, it was probably about 15 of us and me and my cousin Janet McKenzie was the only two blacks that was in the school, and so we were we were just scared to death. And we every chance we got, we were, you know, kind of holding on to each other because the other children wouldn't talk with us. They looked at us like, you know, where did what what where did they come from, you know, right. and everything. And so anyway, then I remember that they we were we should have been. You know, by alphabetical order, we should have been seated like like Janet in front of me, but they separated us in class and looked like that just kind of did something else to me, you know, for them to put her over on this side and I'm on that side, and then we're looking over at each other. So there were things that happened that I feel like that the teachers did too, you know, just mm -hmm. to try to just, I guess, make us and feel uncomfortable. And that may be just because I was small and I thought that, but right. that was just the way I felt at that time. Wow. So basically before that, like you said, they had the school separated, the black and the white school. Mm -hmm. Did you ever go to any all black schools at that time? Or just basically from day one, you were at? From day one, I went to the Quitman Elementary School and then they, it was we we called it the white school. I went day one until I graduated. I never went to Shirley Owens High School. Okay. I mean Shirley Owens Elementary School or even through to a high school. I never went to school with the blacks. Okay. So really, this was your first. Was this really your first time being around a lot of white people? Yes, it was my very first time. So basically, this is your very first time really being around white people. What was what was it like? You know, growing up your whole life, being around your cousins and family and other black people, then all of a sudden scared to death being put in a situation where you're with nothing but white people. Well, that was, it, it, I mean, like I said, I was scared to death. I was just scared to death because I've never, had never just really had a 
had been around white people very much and 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 that all of us as cousins we were very close and we stuck together and when we were together we felt comfortable with each other even though we went you know we're out at the school you know and everything as long as we could kind of get together we were we were fine we knew we would look out for each other but just you know, just being at school and stuff and without anybody else that we were familiar with, mm-hmm. we were just scared that I was, I was just scared to death. Okay. And that was not a good learning uh, situation for me and everything, but we made it. So, yeah, that's, that brings up a good question. Like, how were, how were your grades in first grade and elementary school kind of getting used to being in this new, right. brand new environment? Well, I mean... As far as all of us, we were, you know, we were taught, we, you know, what to do and everything. We had to, you know, help at home with our homework and all of that. So we, we went to school and we did pretty well. You know, okay. we did pretty well. And I remember the teacher would give, she would give a piece of bubble gum and a balloon whenever we, you know, made good grades and stuff. And so we would get a piece of bubble gum and a balloon. We made good, um, like the math test, if you can make like a 90-something. And um, we would get the piece of bubble gum and the balloon. And then I remember the teacher cut it out because I guess we were getting it. <laughs> y'all, y'all getting and, too yep, many balloons? Yeah, and like I said, those there were things that happened that I felt like that the teachers did, you know. And, I, and I, even being small, I mean, those things were noticeable. You know, when we started getting, me and my cousin, it was just the two of us, and we would get the, a piece of bubble gum and a balloon, and then some of the other ones wasn't getting it, then we they cut it out. Wow. I mean, any, any other uh, situations you can think of where you felt like the teachers were discriminating against? Well, I, I, just different. I get, like I said, I, I was small, scared to death, and... Um, it was just a lot of things that you just kind of, you know, wondered why, why this or why that. It was, um, and I do remember us going out to recess and we would play. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, when we got ready to line back up to go back into the school right. and, and everything after recess, then if we were, if we we would run to get in line first, so that the other children would get behind us and they would back way off from us or if 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 in you know sometimes that they would get in line first and then they didn't want to get in line behind us and the ones that were in front of us they didn't want us to get up close you know back to make a straight line they would just be about knock each other down and the teacher never said anything she just kind of let them act like that because they didn't you know they just didn't want and most of the time if we didn't get in the line first, we would always just wait and get in the back of the line. Just let them get in line, and we would come along behind them, behind everybody else, so that you know they wouldn't have to be just pushing and 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 trying to you know stay away from us and all that. We yeah, uh, we were treated that way. Wow. So, would you say, as far as dealing with the teachers and dealing with the the white students there, would you say the teachers might have been a little bit more prejudice towards you or would you say the students were a little bit more prejudiced towards you well i guess the students were more prejudiced you know against us because it was just more of them right and everything but like i said there were situations that uh i felt that the teachers just didn't do exactly like a a leader should have done now you know that that was just my that's just my opinion as a little child that you know i felt that way Okay, so you said this was 1965 when you started. Something like that, yeah. So as you started to grow, get older, and you basically been in school, basically this white school your whole life. Did you mm-hmm. ever feel like things got better the, the older you got, or? Well, thing by the time that I got to fourth grade, that was when they, um, they that they didn't integrate. What it was, there were some rural schools that they had to discontinue. And those rural schools that they discontinued, they sent those children to uh, the, the white school and that made more black people come to the school with us. And as more blacks came into the school system by the time I was fourth grade, 
then that made me feel made us feel a little more comfortable because there was a few more of us and at least we had somebody when we went out to recess we could get out and play rather than just me and you know maybe one or two and we kind of just stand out and and talk and you know whatever and play with each other there were more of us once they the rural schools like the shibuta Mm-hmm. school the one the school like in Mathisville those schools discontinued and they sent the children to Quitman so we were getting a little more comfortable by the time I got to like fourth grade but for um the first three four years in school it was just you know it was just kind of tension and and just nervousness scared and everything right. you know all that and it, it makes sense because I know if I'm somewhere and there's a lot of white people there and you see that one black face, the two of you yeah, start looking at each other oh, like, yeah. it's good to see you. So That's right. so basically once you got more black students into that right. school, you kind of felt a little bit more comfortable. Right. So this, when these other schools started to close, this was before 1970 when the... the yes. Okay. Yes, it was before 1970. I, um... um I, I, it may have been in maybe 68, 69 or somewhere along in there, you know, that they they closed those schools. So I'm not real sure because I was little. and Right. <laughs> but, yeah, they closed those schools down and brought the children over into the to equipment schools. Okay. So in 1970, well, it was halfway through the school year when – the integration was basically forced on the high school students. Was it the same way for elementary and uh, junior high school? Yes. Okay. They integrated everybody. Everybody, if you were the white students that have always gone to the to the, the equipment elementary school and they were just, say, in sixth grade, they had to go to the what was uh, Shirley Owens uh, High School because they turned the Shirley Owens High School into uh, equipment junior high they, they named equipment junior high and so every if you were junior high age you had to go to the high school and then the ones that were at the at shirley owens high school which was you know no longer the um high school they had to go to uh zach huggins high school was the name of it at that time but they changed it in the middle of the year from Zach Huggins to Quitman High School. Okay. What about the elementary students at that time? The elementary students, they had to do the same thing. Everybody had to transition and go to whatever school was, um, you know, the, the, the appropriate school from elementary all the way up to 12th grade. Okay. For everybody. So in the middle of, in 1970, you were in what, the fifth, sixth grade? I yeah, I think so, around fifth grade, somewhere like Okay, so you were still in the elementary school at this time. Mm-hmm. So you had more black students at that time coming over to the school that you oh, were already yeah. at. Oh, yeah. So a little bit, you felt a little bit more comfortable yeah. at this time because now you probably have a lot more of your family members right. there, a lot more people you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Do oh, you, yeah. Okay, so how was the, were there any tensions between the black students and the white students at this time or it had pretty much it? kind of smoothed out a little bit since well, you guys have been there for a while to give my personal opinion i really didn't i don't really i can't just answer that question really well because after we integrated and there were more of us i didn't really care how, <laughs> whether there was tension you know with them right. but i'm pretty sure if you ask one of them i'm pretty sure they would say that there was you know more tension for them because like I said, once they integrated and there were more of us, then we could very well just, you know, be able to, I was in a more comfortable environment with, you know, with uh, more of us. And then we go went to class and we were comfortable in class because there was more of us in class. We did what we were supposed to do and everything. So anyway, I, I'm pretty sure there was tension for them. Right. But, um, by, you know, we were, I, I was more comfortable once they integrated. Okay. Yeah. So how was how was middle school for you? Or junior high? Junior high? Well, by that time, like I said, they had integrated at that time. And all the rest of my school years were, were comfortable. They were a breeze and everything. And there may have been times when I made a, just say, a 90, and I may, could have made a 100. Right. But, you know, we were children at that time. Right. And and on that note, let me just let me do add this. I I started school in maybe 1965. Okay, and that was at the time there were only probably about 
maybe 10 of us that, mm-hmm. that, that came and we were like uh, from first grade up to about fourth grade, maybe about 10 of us that right. I remember that were in elementary school. And uh, that first year, then, you know, we were just trying to, they, they sent us there trying to, you know, break down the wall barrier and to get black children into that school. And um, so it seemed to me that the teachers, you know, they accepted us fairly well. You know, there was a little tension and stuff. But it seemed to me, and this is my own personal opinion, it seems as if they we went through the first grade. I was first grade. We went through first grade and made it to the second grade. And they seems as if they said, you know, okay, you know, we we they they we we put up with them that first year, right. and they sent them back, and they sent a few more. That was a few more uh, people that came that sent their children to school. It seems as if they may say, well, they, you know, those children came back alive. You know, <laughs> they didn't kill them in school. So right. we, I'm going to send mine this year. So the first year it may have been 10. The next year it may have been maybe about 20, 15 or 20. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, that next year I was second grade. And they, those, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, they literally flunked almost all of us out of the if, if there was 15, I guarantee you there were half of us that they flunked. I flunked the second grade, and I went wow. from getting a balloon and a, and a bubble gum for in the first grade to getting get to the second grade, and then they flunked a bunch of us, a bunch of us. And I said, and I felt that as if that was, you know, we're going to flunk a bunch of them, and then they maybe they won't send them back. Okay, they sent us right back. Wow. They sent us back. I repeated the second grade and repeated it, did fine. And then by the time, like I said, in fourth grade, then they that's when they, they closed the rural schools. They sent more of us, and we had no other problems. We went through school making honor roll and all of that stuff we did well and then we didn't make honor roll we wasn't we you know we wasn't like we had a report card that was just a failing we were never failing children never wow yeah so he said this was second grade when they, they flunked everyone yes was everybody basically doing their work what they were supposed to do as, as, as best i know that they were and i i know that i was like i said first grade even with the you know being the there was just two of us in the class scared to death and doing our work and stuff and 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 you know and did did as well as a first grader you know in that condition you uh in that situation you good as good as we could do then you get second grade and then i mean i can see them maybe flunking you know one that wasn't doing their work or whatever but when you flunk out of about 15 you flunk about eight of them then something is wrong with that to me you know but right. That's my opinion. <laughs> wow. And you think basically that was a message saying yeah. that? Well, I felt like it was. It was a message to uh, to the these black parents. You send them over here the first year. We put up with them. You send them back. We gonna flunk them, and maybe you won't send them back. They sent them sent us right back. Wow. So anyway. So that third grade year, there were there more students that that, yes. that went every year. They sent a. They, we, there were more blacks came every year. So after that third, that when you know, after they sent us back, and then there were more, more of us came. It seems as if they say, well, now nah, we can't do that anymore. You know, so we might better put up with them. And I remember my third grade year. That was the year I learned my timetables, mm-hmm. and then I learned how to to borrow and carry and everything and look like I, I can remember that just as good that we was learning that and I I could I could master that. Wow. I, I really do. I remember remember that. Wait so that. So when you when you found out that you flunked the second grade, what did Aunt Gray and Paul Jim have to say about that? Well they fussed and went on and everything and I think they kinda felt the same way. They felt that that was a message, you know, to to them. And they sent us back and everything. So, so like at know, first, did they think it was just you not doing what you were supposed to, or they, they knew right away what it was. They kind of, I think they knew kind of, you know, they got the same message because we always had help with our homework. We had so, I had so many brothers and sisters ahead of me that, you know, we that, you know, we always had our homework. We never, 
you know, went to school and didn't have your homework or, or didn't understand, you know, what was going on. We The older children helped the younger one with their homework. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you know, that, you know, that, that, that we didn't have a problem so much with that. They, they felt that there was, that was just a message to them. Wow. All right. Well, let's fast forward to okay. high school. Well, let me, let me take it back. Basically, during your whole time in, in being in elementary, middle, and, and high school, did you ever make any friends with any of the white students? Yes. Eventually, the white children, uh, you know, they loosened up. We were, They knew we were there. We wasn't going anywhere. So they loosened up. There were some that didn't. And even like right now in life, there are some that still just, you know, got a problem with different situations. But, yeah, we had many white friends because... You know, we, we had P.E. and all of that, and then, you know, getting on the basketball team. That grew us closer together as we got older, you know, and, and everything. And the white children, a lot of them were very nice, mm-hmm. very nice, you know, when we were, you know, as we got older. So, okay. Yeah. And whenever, whenever you're growing up, you look. a lot of people tend to look forward to high school because, you know, you're older, you start doing things like learning how to drive and stuff like that. So what was your high school experience like? My high school experience? Uh, well, I was, I was, I felt I was a big girl then. And so I could handle whatever I knew if I lived through the, through the elementary years, <laughs> then I, th- I thought that I could, um, I could handle anything during high school. I played basketball and, um, at that time we didn't have a softball team at the, at the school but we played softball in the community. We had a community team. So I was I was very athletic and, and um, you know, I was that that was just me. I, I I knew when I went to school I did my school work. But when it got time for athlete, you know, being in sports and stuff, I kicked in a whole nother attitude and atmosphere. So my high school years I was very good, you know, and there was not a whole lot of uh tension racism was there Mm -hmm. but you know i didn't we didn't worry about any of that and everything we we just we did our work and we you know did play sports we had fun and just you know grew up and 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 you know we were just teenagers doing teenage things okay wait what kind of grades did you get oh i did well in school after after the second grade i did well in school (laughs) (laughs) i did really well in school and everything i was i didn't graduate with uh honors or high honors or anything like that you know you know as time goes on it get harder and then you you know you get older and you just don't want to you know you could have made a hundred and you didn't make but 80 and all that stuff but yeah we did quite well because uh ain't great didn't accept us bringing in no report card with no f on it you just know <laughs> not to do that okay so uh, let's let's just play devil's advocate for a second let's say you did bring home a, oh. a f what, what would happen I don't even know. <laughs> I didn't even chance that. <laughs> I don't know. She just didn't. She just didn't go, and and we knew better than to do that, you know. Because okay. she would always say, "You're supposed to have good sense." So, <laughs> Wait, did, so we acted as if we had good sense when it got just going to school and stuff. Did any anybody ever bring? Well, yeah, I guess all of my brothers and them did, but anyway. <laughs> they may have brought home, you know, maybe a lower grade and everything, but now she. Really, I mean, she just didn't accept that. She would just really, you know, ball them out and tell them, you're going to bring home some better grades than that. So, anyway, so we did, we all did. We made it. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's, let's go back to high school for a second. So, once again, in high school, one of the big things people look forward to is uh, graduation and prom. Mm-hmm. So, what was, what was graduation and prom like for you? Well, I went to prom... Uh, at least, well, we couldn't go to the prom until we were really juniors. But I think I did get invi- I get an invitation, and I went for at uh, sophomore. Okay. So my sophomore year, and then my junior year, and then my high school year. So anyway, I thought I was really fortunate to get a chance to go to prom, get dressed up, and everything. And okay. you know, being a tomboy into wearing, we went formal. We didn't. You know, we didn't go casual at that time. It was formal. So that was a good time to be able to just dress up and thought you look pretty and all of that okay. and everything for us going to the prom right. and everything. So 
And in my research, I found out that at the time that there were two different proms. Oh, yeah. You had a prom for the white students and a prom for the black students. Exactly. So did did you ever try to go to the white prom or that was just just was out of the question? That was all. Well, I guess maybe not out of the question, but from where I came from, I, we just didn't try to force ourselves on them. Right. You know, once we got to a comfortable you know situation in school we did if that was the way it was we accepted that we did our prom they did theirs and we didn't try to force ourselves on them so we accepted that you know we knew that we were still black people and they were still white and we knew there was a big separation still but we didn't try to force ourselves on on them we did you know did our thing and they did theirs okay so, so where was where was the black prom and where was the white prom well the black prom it was always in equipment and they would have it like at the national guard armory uh in equipment and now the white prom i'm not real sure i don't rem- they would have theirs maybe in meridian somewhere but i'm not real sure i don't remember exactly where they had theirs at because i we never attended so, okay so Right. So did you enjoy your prom? You ever oh, had yes. a good time there? Oh, yes. We always enjoyed our prom because we thought we were pretty. We, <laughs> we had gotten, you know, all fixed up nice and formally. And you only did that uh, once a year. So that once a year, then, you know, you, you just really enjoyed yourself. Okay. And what year did you graduate? And I graduated in 1978. 78, okay. So I was talking to Bobby. And I think Bobby graduated in 86. I, I believe that's what he told me. And kind of talking to him, even he was telling me even though he's he graduated eight years after you did, he mm-hmm. kind of remembers growing up here and basically the signs of like Jim Crow was still here even in the 80s and him growing up. Did you, you being you know older than him, did you feel the same way? Did you feel like, you could kind of tell if, how can I put this? If someone was kind of stepping out of line as far as, let's, let's just say you wanted to go to a water fountain. And what Bobby was telling me, he remembers a time where there were still black and white water fountains up when it, Jim Crow was supposedly over. Do you ever remember those signs of Jim Crow still being around when you were in high school? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there were. I mean, there are always, and matter of fact, there may be some still, you know, the Jim Crow thing may be still, you know, kind of alive and well. It's not really dead by no means. But, oh, yeah, when we were in school, there were always, you know, just, you know, things that you know that you just didn't, you know, that's the white folks thing, and you just didn't, you know, didn't bother with that. So, very well so we it was it was always there i um i guess we were little and everything and then as we grew up the water fountain we just went and got some water real quick and kept going and everything but there were maybe sometimes you didn't maybe just drink over on that corner we had a big square one and had four faucets you just didn't drink over there because that's where the white people would drink over there you just drink over on this side and so yeah that it 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 was it's always been alive and well and everything and not going anywhere but um just right off the top of my head it's just so many uh, situations and stuff i can't just pinpoint one that you know that i can remember right off because i mean you know we went through so many different situations and stuff and different things that you know with them right and i think when talking to bobby you know uncle bobby he you know grew up down here but he kind of ended up going up towards like the philadelphia chester pennsylvania Mm -hmm. area and uh, he now lives in michigan too so i I guess he he's the type of person that you know because he lived down here younger and now that he's older and he lives in a different different lived in different areas he can kind of tell you know oh well you know this is different than and you know this is different here but so well, let's go back. After high school, what, what, did you go to college after high school, or? No, after high school, I got married. I, I, I graduated high school in May, and I got married in December of that same year, 1978. So I, I've been married ever since then. Okay. Yeah. 
Was I did attend college. Uh, it was 2002 when I went back to college. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what was that like? Going back to the school after the beat. <laughs> it's hard because you've been away so long, and then when you got a family, you got to try to you know get home and see about a family and all that. And it was it, it's tough, you know, waiting a long, long years like that and, and go back. But anyway, I I did it. So okay. anyway, well, so do you feel like your your time at uh, equipment schools and well, it wasn't called Zach Huggins anymore when you no okay, but going through the equipment school district, do you feel like your time there, the lessons that you learned there prepared you for college, what, some 20 years later and just in, for life in general after high school? Yeah, I did. I mean, equipment school, once they did, you know, get integrated and, and everything, we had some good teachers there. And so, that yeah, we were we were prepared for college and everything, you know. Um, I, I, I think we, you know, it prepared us for college. And then we... I was prepared a lot for life because, you know, you, 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 we've gone through hard times with people and you just didn't take people for granted. You know, you know, white people, you know, they are, they don't all accept, all of them don't accept you. And then I learned that some of them are just people. They look at us as people and some of them don't, you know. Right. So you know how to approach them or approach situations uh, you know, a little different, you know, from just a child that has never gone through what I went through and, you know, to get where we are. But we had we had a we had good teachers as we went through school and stuff and we were prepared for college even though at that time, you know, it was a lot of us at that time to get a job and go to work was just as appropriate as going to college, you know. Okay. Yeah. Well you have Four wonderful children, and they all went through the equipment uh, equipment school system too. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever talked to them about your experience in, in equipment school? Well, uh, maybe a little bit. They 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 maybe don't know that my whole story. Right. But I did maybe. I think I'm not just telling them of my story. I think I tried to to work with them and prepare them. And to so they wouldn't have to go the same route that I went through. I just kind of worked with them. If there was a situation that they come home and told me about that maybe there was a white child that hit me at school or they pushed me or something like that, right. then I I made sure that I would get to the school and I would address that situation that you know that I'm I may have had to. Yeah, I may have got pushed in school, but I'm not going to accept the fact that my children are going to get pushed in school 30 years later. Right. And so, anyway, we maybe never talked about that, but I knew what I went through, and I didn't accept that kind of treatment for my children. Understandable. So, when you were sending them to school, did you ever, like, worry about them? But you knew that they'd pretty much been well-equipped to take care of themselves in school for the most part? Yeah, for the most part. And then I knew that they would probably, they would come home and tell if that, tell me if there was something that was, you know, just not right at school. And I was always prepared to address that situation, but I was prepared to address, address it in a professional manner. Right. Because I knew, you know, just from, you know, being, going through what I have went through, you know, and I knew to address it in a professional manner was the way to do it. So I was always prepared. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I believe I, I was talking to your son, Rio. Rio is what, the youngest? No, no, Rakita. Or Rakita, R- yeah, well, Rakita is, the, is my baby. Rio is, is um, 29 years old. Okay. I was talking to Rio, and I believe Rio told me, he wasn't 100% sure, but I think he said he was a part of the first graduating class that had, the proms together may have been so from 1970 yeah when uh, my, my mother graduated from high school uh-huh. up until Rio graduated what 2006 yes yes I think yeah 2006 excuse me 2009 I think so from 1970 to 2006 we had separate proms right. and Rio was a part of that first class 
he believes he was part of the first class to have mm-hmm. the, the black and the white primes together. Um, well, one, did you, did you realize that before? Well, or even thought about it? I hadn't really thought about it, and it, you know, by you know by that time, I maybe I was so comfortable with them, you know, going. I, I really didn't hadn't thought a whole lot about it. Okay. them being the first, you know, class, but yeah, that's probably true. But I mean, I'm 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 thinking about well, okay, for for a person that's from Detroit, like mm-hmm. I didn't even, I didn't know separate they had separate prompts until I was talking to. <laughs> Uh, I want to say it was Felicia, and Felicia graduated the year before I did in 2002, uh-huh. and she was telling me, because she lived in Detroit for a long time and moved down here, and she was telling me that, you know, there was two proms, and I'm thinking, well, why are you having two proms? And she explained it to me how, you know, the blacks had their prom and the whites had theirs. Mm-hmm. So, to me, I think it's pretty amazing that from, you know, my mother, she was part of that first graduating class and had the separate proms, and now my cousin is part of that first class to integrate so I, I feel like it may have taken a lot longer mm-hmm. than maybe expected but it's good to see that progress has happened so oh yeah if i mean was there you remember there being any tensions during that time when rio was was graduating no i don't i don't really remember there may have been some but just uh some that would have been so bad to bring it to you know my attention i don't i don't remember any you know being that bad so i guess it had gotten better because you know as time went on you know like i said there are still some people that are prejudiced black and white but for the most part they you know they got along so no there was not any kind of a situation that would have been serious enough to really just bring to to my attention okay so well Getting close to winding it down. Um, how are things here equipment now as far as just daily life here? Well, equipment, um, we, we, we don't forget that um, the prejudice is still alive and well. It's not, it's not dead by any means. And um, equipment, for the most part, I mean, you know most everybody and, and, and you you know you deal with people as as people as they are and what i mean by that you know you you know people and some people are not as friendly and as open as others so you take you know you take that as face value but for the most part equipment is a pretty nice place to live you know low key and not a whole lot of violence or anything not a whole lot of anything that goes on so you can still go, um, you know, be in equipment at night and, you know, walk into your cars and stuff and don't worry about anybody just, you know, you know, mugging you or anything like that. Right. And so, anyway, it's pretty, you know, play, nice place to live, but prejudice is still alive and well. It's not, not over here. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, it, is there anything else that you could think of that you... We want to bring up about you know your time in school and you know raising a family here equipment anything that you know you had on that you wanted to let the listeners know about well mm, well i think we pretty much covered my life and everything <laughs> but um anyway I, I i wouldn't take you know change anything i guess because i wouldn't know you know what how i would change it if I did want to change, you know, I would raise my four children just living out here. Just equipment and the town equipment is about 14 miles from here. So we're really in the rural area. And uh, my children got a chance to just get out and run and play and, and have fun and not worry about anybody shooting and all of that, you know. And, and uh, they could go walk down the road. My children could walk maybe even a half mile down the road and I didn't have to worry about them right. and, and everything. And everybody looked out for everybody. They knew that, you know, these were my children and they, um, you know, looked out for them and if they needed a ride to get home, they send them home or they tell them that, you know, it's time for you to go home. You better start walking. They would send them back home and, and, and uh, there was in you know the children were doing something people didn't hesitate to you know let us know that you know the children did something so we could get that situation corrected so anyway as far as raising the children out here in the rural area we had we were a village that 
you know, that help raise each other's children. So our, the children are all grown now, and mm -hmm. they're pretty well-mannered and everything. And so I, I think I did a pretty good job. I did the best I could for us raising them. I right. think we did a pretty good job. And so now they're on their own, and they're all doing, you know, well. And, and so... I'm I think you did too. I was worried about Rio for a while. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Good thing he uh, met him a nice woman to kind of help him out a little bit. <laughs> um, my parents come used to come down here all the time for the Shirley Owens reunions. You you ever you know partake in those activities or go or a few times I I went to the uh, Shirley Owens um, reunion thing that they had, but. For the most part, I, d I don't attend that because I don't know the people. Right. I don't know them. Those were the people that, you know, graduated Shirley Owens, and I never went to, to, their, to that school. So I don't know the people. So I just don't attend because, you right. know, it was like I feel maybe before my time. Right. And so, you know, things that they talk about is not familiar to me. So for the most part, I have attended just to, you know, get a feel of what they, you know, how they, you know, did in school and, and, and you know, things that they bring out in their life. But um, for the most part, I don't attend because, you know, that's, I don't know what they're talking about. Okay. Well, well, let me, let me just say this. Um, Aunt Gray and, and Paul Jim in the community is sending you all over to the the white schools to me i think it's it's a it's a brave thing because you know these are these are your babies right and you know you're very protective of your children and you're sending them into um what really tough waters mm -hmm. and especially in a situation where you had the schools where you know they had kids at shirley owens and right. going through the all black schools and to send you guys over to all white school in a situation where you weren't necessarily wanted there is mm -hmm. it had to be scary for them i know like you said you were scared to death but mm -hmm. i mean i'm i'm proud of my my grandparents and everybody in the community for making that decision because had it not been for that and you going to those schools and breaking down those barriers then you know your children wouldn't have been able to right. to go through those schools so um i commend my grandparents and those those people that, that, that sent you over there and i commend you for you know going through that i know it it couldn't have been easy. I mean, going through, you know, as a little child, going through a situation you're scared to death, and then, you know, having a situation in the second grade where you were flunked when you know darn well you didn't deserve it. So I commend you for, for your contribution to not just, you know, equipment, but, I mean, I think a lot of people, especially during, like, Black History Month, we, we celebrate the people that we know about, your Martin Luther Kings, your Megan Evers, your... Rosa Parks, but then you don't really talk about the the smaller stories, and mm -hmm. that's that's why I wanted to, to do this so people know that one what happened, and to celebrate the people that might might not have you know been in the newspaper and not mm -hmm. don't have Black History reports done on, on them every year. So I commend you for for your contribution in raising a family here and continuing on that tradition. And hopefully, um, one thing that I, I want to ask a couple of people about is, do people teach the history of Shirley Owens and what happened in the, in the integration of the schools? Because, like, for the longest, I didn't know my mother was a part of the first integrated class. And that's really what made me want to do this whole series of shows, you know, find out more information about it and, you know, yeah. have people tell their story. Because right. if you don't tell the story, then nobody knows. Nobody knows. That's right. So, thank you for 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 doing for telling your story. I appreciate it. You are so welcome. Like anything else you want to tell the people? Well, I think that's about enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. And I appreciate your your concern for my story. You know, yeah. it's never been told. Yeah, because uh, my father, you know, when he came down here in September, he told me that you know he told me like little bits and pieces that mm -hmm. that you told him, and I'm like, man, like that that story needs to be told. So, once again, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right.
once again i want to thank my aunt joanne price for sitting down with me and having a very very uh candid conversation about you know what happened you know in her life growing up um i learned a lot you know sitting down and talking with my aunt and everybody else that i talked to i really look forward to you know rolling out more of these episodes about the integrations of the schools and equipment mississippi um you know these are people that you know i've known my whole life and um i've looked up to but when you find out the stories of their lives and the things that they went through man you really <clears throat> really puts things into perspective so thank I, I appreciate everybody that sat down and talked to me and like i said i'll be rolling out more of these episodes as we go along and i'm, I'm telling you a lot of these stories are are wild you get to hear a lot more from people like my uncle bobby who i mentioned in this episode my father i'm gonna have a conversation with him coming up my uncle larry and many more so thank you all for listening and checking out this episode and once again thank you and joanne for sitting down and, and chatting with me and like i said before next week i'm going to roll out the episode with my friend is tony robinson once again check out her youtube page at beautiful vibes 555 hit her up on instagram at the underscore lady essence and while you're on instagram why don't you go ahead and check out my instagram page all steak no sizzle it's all one word Go ahead, hit me up on there. And you can hit me up on Twitter as well at Devin the 63. That's D-E-V-I-N-T-H-E 63. And check out the Facebook page. All Steak No Sizzle Podcast. Just type that into your search bar and it'll pop right up. And also hit up the email address as ASNSPodcast at gmail.com. And if you are looking for the show, you need to want to refer it to someone else, let them know you can listen to the show on iTunes. Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud. You know, just go ahead and subscribe and follow on all those platforms. You know, give me a couple thumbs up, give me a review, um, share with other people. Just spread the word, people. Uh, all that being said, let's go ahead and end this show. Thank you all for listening. Once again, apologize for it being late. You know, like I said, it's hard times out here. So I'll check you all next week. Until then. Yeah.